That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. Yo, what's up? Thank you for tuning in today. Thanks to humans for bringing us in. Thanks to you for supporting the show. I'm Shane Raymer. You're listening to That Sober Guy podcast, and we help people stay sober. We're coming to you live from San Diego at the Innovations and Recovery Conference. And uh, today we're going to be talking with Elisa Saunders. And uh, Elisa is a woman in long-term recovery. She's also a former business development rep for Foundations Recovery. Uh, Before we get to Elisa, we're we're going to talk about uh, uh, getting uncomfortable, fear versus faith, talk a little recovery. Uh, So it's going to be a good combo. But before we do that, uh, be sure to check us out at thatsoberguy.com. You can also connect with us on Instagram, at realthatsoberguy, and on Twitter, at Shane Raymer. I mentioned we're at Innovations in Recovery. Some of you go, what the hell is that? Why are you there? Um, It's everything new in behavioral health care. So there's a lot of good people here. Uh, We're here to bring you some of the top experts and recovery advocates uh, and help inform you on what's going on in the recovery community as well as the treatment industry. Uh, And we're going to have some fun at the same time. So if you want any more info about Foundations Events, you can go to foundationsevents.com and you can check those out there. And then last, finding the right treatment for addiction and mental health illness can be tough. Uh, That's why Sober Guys continue to partner with Foundations Recovery Network. Uh, They stay true to their mission, hold high ethical standards, and provide treatment in a nationwide network of residential and outpatient programs. So if you're a loved one and need some help, you can go to foundationshelp.com slash soberguy, or you can call 833-81-SOBER. That's 833-81-SOBER. You can talk with an admissions coordinator. Uh, They can answer any questions for you and uh, inform you about treatment options. Elisa. Elisa Saunders, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Yes. So uh, we're going to dive right into this. You came out to California four months ago from Florida. I did. How's it going? It's good. <laughs> it's going well. It's, yeah. go- it's good. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's a big city. Yeah. At least uh, the one similarity, you get a lot of sun in both of the states. Yes. Right? Although it did rain a lot when I got here. Everybody yeah, said, really, the weather is way better usually. I know. It was. Yeah. That first day, uh, we stayed... Uh, in Irvine for a couple days to break the drive up down here. That way I can kind of hang out because my kids and my wife come with me down here too. Yeah. So we hang out a little bit, have a little bit of fun, and uh, it rained a little bit. And I was <laughs> like, man, it was raining back home too. And I said, man, I try to get away from this. But uh, good stuff, good stuff. So I've never been to Florida myself. Um, I hear it's got a great recovery uh, community though it is it's Florida. funny because yeah. all you California people laugh at Florida for some odd reason I was really? in a meeting the other day and they said Florida and everybody started to chuckle I go what's funny I'm from Florida <laughs> <laughs> what's so funny did you ever find out I know nobody told me yeah what the hell dang it now I'm, gonna have to, I'm gonna have to ask now too yeah I don't know I've uh I've never had an opportunity to go out there um we may we may go out um uh, in October, September, for another conference out there, and maybe get to check it out. So moments of change. Moments of change. Yeah, yeah. no, it's a great conference. I love Florida. I mean, yeah. hey, Florida is hot and humid, and there is a lot of tourists. But I have—that's yeah. my home. I, you know, yeah. I never really left until just recently. Yeah. So. Well, and that's uh, so we we kind of started chatting before we started recording, and that's a really good topic I think for for this podcast uh, is getting uncomfortable, stepping out. Uh, you know, I know a lot of the time. When I'm in a spot where I'm comfortable, I feel very secure. I feel, you know, I'm almost in this little bubble and stepping out doing anything is, is scary as shit. Yeah. You know, it's like, what do you do? At the same time, 
every time for a, for a long time when I stayed where I, where I felt comfortable, I didn't grow at all. Right, either. So it's stuck. like such a good opportunity to grow. Um, so we're going to get into that a little bit, but first I want to talk to you a little bit about your recovery. Like you're in recovery, I think seven and a half years. Yes. Right? yes. What, what did that look like for you? Like what was life like before you got into recovery? Well, I mean, it, Hey, like, like, like many of us, it, my life was unmanageable, but I didn't know it. Right. I thought my life was perfect. Mm. Yeah. I think I, you know, I've shared it on social media too, my before and after. And I thought I looked so good the night that I got my second DUI. <laughs> You know, I was like looking hot. Yeah, I had my right. hair blown out and before I snorted that Adderall. And oh my gosh, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rough I night. hit a car that hit a tow truck that hit another car. And as I'm looking at my mugshot on my wrist from um, my, um, and I only sat in a jail cell for 12 hours, which my mom insists that I not share that. But I had that moment of clarity. <laughs> That's part of it, though. Yeah. yeah, I had that moment of clarity. And I looked at my picture and I knew in that split second that if I didn't change, I would die. Yeah. yeah. And I was a Palm Beach County school teacher at the time. Really? Yeah, I was a teacher for 14 years. Wow. So you had. You had a, um, a reputation in the community, I'm I sure, did. as a, a good teacher. And, and at the same time, you have this issue on the back end that probably not a lot of people knew about. Well, I think they knew, Shane. Well, you, you, did, you didn't think they knew. You didn't think they knew, I was though. telling myself they didn't. <laughs> exactly. You know, Isn't I'm like, funny? no. Yeah. I, you know, and I thought it was cute. I thought my behavior was cute, but I'm like edging into my 40s. Yeah. And I was, and I also thought, oh, I'm just a binge drinker, right? Mm. And there was, I had no intention of getting sober. I really did. Didn't, but yeah. I had had a, a DUI five years prior too. Oh wow! Um, when I first started teaching, and you know, like the judge had to nudge me, and I and I didn't know, like if if you read in in the founder of the program I'm in, it, how dark it is before the dawn. Yeah. I didn't know I was to know a new freedom and a new happiness. Yeah. Right. I didn't know that that darkness was to lead to a life that is so worth living and that yeah. was going to get so big and beautiful for me as I was sitting in that um, little tiny room. Yeah. And I was so broken and so sad and so empty because mm. my life got big and beautiful and the awareness and the happiness that I was to feel later was just, it's indescribable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. What, uh, so once, um, once you kind of had that realization, what were some of the next things that started to happen after that? Did you start going to meetings? Did you go to treatment? Um, yeah. what, what did you do? Well, I waited. I mean, I, I was still teaching. And so of course I drank as heavy as I could while oh. I was teaching and I had lost my license, wow. um, for, uh, I think 18 months. And then as soon as I got out of like the school, because we went on summer break, I had taken the two grand I had in, in um, the, my bank account and went to treatment. Oh, nice. And I didn't stay sober um, from treatment. I relapsed oh. once, but then I went to, the, you know, my program that yeah. I'm in and I um, picked up a chip and I've been sober ever since um, September 19th. You. 2011. Congrats. Yeah. Nice. September 19th. We're close. I'm September 11th, but I'm okay. 2013, but same month at least. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. Uh, I always thought too that um, I didn't understand like the significance of a, a chip, you know, before yeah. I thought it was kind of like a chip, you know, but um, that it's like that stake in the ground, especially early on, you know, like getting those chips. I know for me, it like really helped to get me to the next, you know, the next, um, you know, 90 days or yeah. six months or whatever, you know, yeah. it's huge. It's a big part of it. Yeah. I think in back in the day, uh, there was, uh, and I, I might say her name wrong, S sister Ignatia, I think, or 
back in the day of, of early um, AA, she would do that for some of the people that were coming in. And uh, she would give the chip to them, or I, oh, I and that, and that's when it started. So, so it's yeah, it's just it started, to symbolize, yeah, yeah, the huh. sober time, yeah. and yeah. So I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, we, we, I don't celebrate time, but for me, I needed to do that. I needed yeah. to know that I, you know, was able to count some time that mattered because I couldn't even put five minutes together. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It is. It's a. It's a. It's a, a good feeling. Like I know, and I, for some reason I don't have it on me right now. I usually always do, but I keep my five-year chip in my pocket See? all the time because I, I'll just be standing there sometimes and totally thinking of something else, and I'll maybe go to put my hand in my pocket or something, and then it's that quick reminder, like, oh. Yeah, I got five years. Yeah, it, me- it means <laughs> right something to moment. me. Right in that moment. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It means something to me, even though like there's times where I feel like I'm restless, irritable, and discontent, and separated from God, and not as spiritually fit. Yeah. I can go, you know what? I still haven't picked up a drink. I yeah. still haven't picked up a drug. So I still have hope right now. Like yeah. I can get back into my spiritual practices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, uh, and this, this probably goes for, for a lot of guys too, but... Um, you know, being a, a woman in long-term recovery, if we spoke directly to women out there, I think there's a lot of other, and it always surprises me too, just, I want to say this before, um, you know, I started this, that sober guy podcast. It's, yeah. it, it surprises me how many women listen to the show, which is awesome. And so wonderful. I always love getting both sides of it. Um, but I think there's a lot of women out there who probably have similar stories in, they have decent jobs as teachers, nurses, yeah. um, hairstylists. Go, you know, they're, they're, they're living their lives. Maybe they have kids, they're married. And at the same time on the back end, they have this, maybe this secret, you know, they're drinking too much wine at night. Yep. It's just a little bit and they want to, maybe they don't even necessarily have a, um, you know, they don't need to go to rehab or something, but th- there's definitely an issue. You know what I mean? So I'm just wondering if you have any takes on what, you know, any advice or anything you would say to someone out there listening who might have a spouse or themselves might be struggling with that. Absolutely. You know, and I, you know, not and this is controversial, right? Like not everyone that goes into these programs, right? Or the rooms yeah. of AACA and a are real alcoholics. Not even totally. everyone that goes to treatment because they'll get a nudge from the judge or the boyfriend or the yeah. husband. But if somebody cannot just put something down like a heavy user and they um, really need to have like our spiritual awakening, yeah, like they really have to have help, um, then you know, for me, like going to treatment was just a beginning. I needed more. Yeah. I needed to actually get diligent and have a spiritual awakening and get diligent and have that altruistic movement. Yeah. So I needed to help other alcoholics, right? I needed to do other things. I needed to actually work a program, yeah. work steps because yep. the fellowship wasn't going to keep me sober. Yeah. All that other stuff. Now, I, like, I love that people have treatment. I love that people, like, plug into aftercare because that's really when the rubber meets the road. Totally. Yeah. So these women that are picking up dr- um, drinking later, like, they're like, what about me? What happened? I mean, I can't do this. I would say if you be a real alcoholic, you have got to get into a situation where you go raise your hand and really, really plug in to working some sort of program after a treatment and after getting into some aftercare. But not everybody is, you know, and that does make people uncomfortable. They're like, well, wait, 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 wait. I I stopped drinking and I was fine. Yeah. But not everybody is that. 
Well, so, and so that's really a great segue into getting uncomfortable, fear, all that stuff. Because whether we're talking about moving across the country oh. and stepping out into a new job and then, yeah. you know, you, you don't know. Or stepping out and going to a meeting for your first time. Sure. Um, you know, going go to uh, some sort of small group, maybe at a church or a women's group, a men's group, whatever it is, you're stepping out. And uh, you're putting yourself out there. And sure. there's a lot of fear involved in that. Um, I mean, it, so for you, let's talk about you first. You moved okay. across the country. I did. You know, and you totally stepped out. I did. Um, and, uh, you know, you have certain expectations, I'm sure, and things that you think. And then sometimes it doesn't work out like that. I mean, how? It didn't. How, how, yeah. How has that been for you? It's funny, too, Shane, because I did actually a podcast with some of my friends. There's a He's called the... Um, the couch live uh, down in Florida and we were talking about me moving across the country and yeah. how excited I was and you know what I'm still excited sure. it just didn't work out like I planned right like I didn't get exactly what I had bargained for but it's still wonderful because I had a great experience sure. I'm having a great experience yeah and my friend Chris Martinez who I love more than anything said Lisa if you go and everything falls through do you know God still has you and, good. <laughs> and I said, yeah. yeah. And realistically, like, that's where I sit today. And it has been a journey. Like, yeah. when I came out here, I got a kidney stone. And then yeah. I got sick after that. And then, you know, it's learning a new territory, a new culture. Yeah. Um, I, I still hadn't gotten a soap, like, really a home. Um, I never really, I never really have had a, a home yet since I came out here. Which for me, that's a sanctuary, you know, right? Like totally. I, it's your safe spot, like a comfortable, like I can go there and I know that I'm like safe. Yes, know, cool. and that hasn't happened for me yet. Hmm. And you know, so plugging into my recovery, that that has just started to begin. Yeah. So like none of that stuff, I didn't really get what I wanted, right? Yeah. And then there was some uncomfortability around like plugging into the job situation. So all that stuff happened and what do I do? Like I have to really go into trusting God. Yeah. And that's the uncomfortable. <laughs> so it's like like if I'm yeah. a woman in recovery and I say that I do this, then I actually really have to do this. I yeah. have to really lean into the uncomfortable. And and I have, you know, and it's like to know that I'm okay. And yeah. and know that God's got me. Woo. Well, you're, you're living out that recovery, and uh, I've talked about this a lot lately, I feel like, too. I keep saying that for some reason. A lot of these same conversations have been coming <laughs> up in, um, in that working a program, recovery, whatever it is, it's so much less about alcohol and drugs. Yes. Another example of it right here, and it's really just about learning how to live life, you yeah. know, and like um, what... When I kind of got a little idea about that, I went, man, yeah, that's so true. Because, like, I, I just use, I use that stuff to, to cope. You know yes. what I mean? It's not so much like, um, well, I, I did like to get high, too. Well, yeah. Hey, I, <laughs> I, I had say, a good time, be a liar, too, at times, yeah. Shane. I'm not yeah. going to lie, either. So let's, let's kind of get into that a little bit then. So how the hell do we have fun in sobriety? That's a big one. Because a lot of people think, well, well man... I'm going to get sober and then it's going to be boring as shit. All I know how to do is like everything I do revolves around alcohol right. for a lot of people, you know, but there's still, you can still have a really good time and be sober. Yes. And you okay. remember it. Yes. Okay. <laughs> right. So here's the thing. Alcohol was never my problem. Yeah. Drugs were never my problem. They were my solution. Now I didn't know that. So I had this childhood where I never like, and you, and you hear this, I hear this. 
where like I, I was restless, irritable, and discontent. Yeah. Like I never quite fit. I was that square peg that was trying to fit in a, in a yeah, round hole. different. Always felt different, yeah. you know? So what it did for me is it made my mind quiet. It made me the prettiest girl in the room. It made me the smartest girl. I could go up to you. I could go up to everybody here. So I was always okay. And yeah. at times it made me feel like I could breathe. And then I later learned that I had an allergy to alcohol. So once I put it in me, I have that phenomenon of craving where I have to have more. Yeah. So my body wants it. Then when I don't have it, I've got the mental obsession that I that I actually it's a thought that blocks out all the all other thoughts. So yeah. like I have to have it there. Like so it's not even a physical craving anymore. That disease that centers in my mind. And then I've got the spiritual thing. So it's that hole in my soul that I fill with the drugs and the alcohol or shoes, clothes, men, ice cream, anything, anything that's going to fill the void inside of me. I was, I was just telling, um, uh, what was it? Was it Paul? I don't know. One of the, one of the guys around here, we were talking and I was saying how like sugar is such a big deal. So I can't like medicate with weed or coke (laughs) or beer. I shouldn't say I can't, I don't want to anymore. Right. But I noticed when I get depressed or pissed off or something, yeah. let me just go eat a shitload of cupcakes <laughs> and just stuff my face. Right. And it's like, and then I feel terrible afterwards, but it's like, and I've gotten better at this, by the way. I had an issue with cherry pies for a while. That was like a big weird <laughs> one too. But um, it's like this self-destructive mechanism it though. Is. Like, let me just destroy myself any way I can, you know? And then I'll feel better for a minute and then I'll hate myself even more. It's, the it's self, terrible. It is that self-gratification, right? Yeah, immediate. Immediate yeah. gratification. Because our disease centers in our mind, right? So, like, we want to feel better right away. And that, so, like, fun wasn't in the equation, Shane, back in the day. I just wanted to be out of me. I wanted to feel, I didn't want to be Lisa. There was never a time that I wanted to feel, uh, to be who I was, feel, be where I was, or feel the way I felt. So, like, alcohol was my solution. And because my childhood felt so rough at times, that was my way to numb. Yeah. Or breathe, or not think, or quiet the monkey mind, yeah. or whatever. Did you grow up with alcohol in the house? Like, was that in a family thing? Well, you know, my folks drank, but then I also had like a little child. You know, I had some tra- trauma as a kid. You know what I mean? So like, you've got this kid that doesn't fit. Yeah. You've got the trauma. Then you've got like, here's your way out. Yeah. So it's like, oh, it was all the way. Like it was like a dream come true and that was my way to do it and then I was also bullied as a kid oh no yeah so then I'm like all right I found my way out and I remember and I've I've said this from the podium and I haven't shared for a while because I'm actually going back through the steps up here in California but I've said this from the podium I was that kid that the broken toy right and like I felt like um, I used to watch Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer like a thousands of times really because yeah thousands you, you related to Rudolph uh, yeah he was different he was different right and <laughs> yeah. he went to the island of misfit toys so like yeah, if I found right, my yeah. island yeah. you know and that's what I found yeah like I found my people that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I found see my the people. Misfit sticker on the computer here. Uh, Somewhere see, on there. Uh, yeah, there. Oh, that's little misfits. Right, you know? we are. Yeah, we I'm are. Like, yeah. And you know, there's beauty in my brokenness, right? Like, totally. and I can say that I'm not a broken person. I'm healing now. So, like, good I'm I'm proud to be a misfit today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's good. Um, so, if we if we kind of transition into some uh, you know some business stuff, some industry stuff, because sure. it's changing. I've been to this yeah. is my fourth. This is my fourth uh, conference here, and I've been to a couple in Nashville. 
Um, and, uh, you know, and everything's always changing around no matter what we're talking about too, whether it's personal stuff or whatever, but the industry, that's most of the conversations I've had, everyone has brought up how much it's changing. Sure. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, what do you see, like, where do you see it going um, as far as, you know, people getting the help they need? Like, I mean, as a whole, is there anything in particular that stands out? Yeah, you know, I feel that it's changing for the better, to be honest with you. I think there's been some real rough patches in being in Florida yeah. because everybody looked at Florida like, ooh, yuck, Florida, I Florida, remember Florida. that with the pills and, I mean, that was a big time issue, right? Yeah, started yeah. with the pill mills yeah. and then they blame us for the heroin epidemic. Yeah. And it's funny because... Dave Ehrenberg is speaking the last day, and he's actually a friend. I'm on a lot of sober task forces in Florida, I was, and I connected him with um, foundations. So one of the reasons he's speaking is because of the connect. Nice. And uh, he's a great guy. He's like the cowboy, you know. He's like the hero of making all the changes. I think he's arrested over 90 of the body brokers down there. Like really? some of the people are serving 50 years. Damn. Yeah. Like it's, it's so powerful. That's like some terrible shit. Too, it's terrible. That. And I've yeah. actually watched it in person. Like so I, can you talk about that? Yeah. Like what does that look like for someone who doesn't know what a body broker is and like okay. what, what they do? Like what, what would a scenario look like? Well, they basically sell people, you know, but to the point where they actually are, wow. they give drugs, yeah. they get people high. And there's one guy named Kenny Chapman down there that, that Dave Ehrenberg. And if anybody, if you air this and anybody has a chance to watch his uh, speak, he's speaking Thursday oh, got at it. eight. Here. Yeah, yeah, here. Okay. Got it. And this guy, Kenny Chapman, was um, running drugs, getting girls high, prostituting them. And I think this guy's serving life in prison. And he was busted down in Florida. And I don't even really? remember the name of his treatment center. But Dave Ehrenberg, um, who, who is our state attorney in Florida, is actually, he was the one that got him. Um, I think I read prison. an article about him, actually. Bad guy. Now that I think about it. Yeah, because he, he had the treatment center. He was bring, he was getting high with the clients in there, yes. right? And keeping them high so he could get the insurance money. Yes, and, and he was having the having some of the clients go and stealing in malls yeah, and that, prostituting yeah. and, and, and drug running. Like, it is out of control, wow. some of the things that were happening. And because it was in Florida, everybody in the country thought that Florida was like this horrendous place but what's happened is the regulations changed there first and we down in florida cleaned so much up so a lot of the bad places closed really a lot of the bad people are gone yeah and i got to see it firsthand now i did see some of the travesties with my own eyes i actually got a job as a tech at one of the centers that went down the feds raided first and i got a job i was i remember i was training in a an apartment building right in a pool like it was in the pool office and the room was lined with pee cups wow. literally because they had owned a lab this treatment yeah. center or a, it was a halfway house owned a lab at the same time and i walk in there to train as a tech and there's 25 tr- uh pee cups dr- that they were drug testing like fake pee cups yeah, or like fake, right? yeah and I'm well, like, clean, clean well, pee. Cause yeah. They're, yeah. Cause they're trying to. Or dirty pee. Or <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Good Lord, yeah. Because they're charging $10,000 for the, the, for the drug tests and billing the insurance companies. Wow. And I'm like, what is happening here? It's now, 250 grand. Right. It, it was, Shay. Yeah, right there. And granted, I quit this job a week later and then it's all over the news. It was oh, called wow. Good Decision Sober Living. And it was all over the news when the FBI had raided wow. the place. So you're probably the only person who's ever seen $250,000 worth of piss, <laughs> like right there. And I saw it, literally. <laughs> and then you see, then, you know, then yes. I'm seeing like 
this person facing 50 years, this person. And I remember telling a girlfriend of mine, like, everybody Ehrenberg has busted, like, I knew him. Yeah. Wow. And, he, and my girlfriend's like, well, I wouldn't brag about that. I'm like, I'm not saying I'm... Yeah. friends with them but we saw it yeah, you saw it happening we saw as it's it going happening down. in real time yeah. and i mean i'm as ethical as they come but it was just very bizarre to see it all playing out you know yeah. and i think even somebody has like a movie out or like they're on vice squad and it's because like we really watched it happen and we also watched the change yeah. and thank god for dave Ehrenberg because it is yeah. different and he's now going that's why he's up here because now they're making some changes up here in orange yeah. county yeah that's good you know and it is changing all over the country thank 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 god yeah so uh, so as you see it shifting um where where do you see it going now as it moves forward um and we're starting to see some of the uh the, the i mean really flat out corruption yeah. to some extent uh at, where does it go from here like what's what's next well you know i, I think that I think that a lot of people were making so much money, but I think a lot of people were also dying. You know, like you're seeing young guys that own treatment centers and or fake call centers, and then they're dead from a heroin overdose six months later. Um, or they're in that whole cycle of uh, brokering patients. You know what I mean? So like, I think I feel, and I, I mean, who am I? that a lot of that's changing and, and hopefully good. the larger companies, the ethical companies are going to, you know, be more in control of that yeah. and it's not going to be happening. Yeah. Because yeah. it just doesn't need to. Yeah. I mean, I don't really need somebody with 60 days to own a treatment center and be driving a Jaguar <laughs> to be like to making kind of put two and two together. And because me like, right. Me without spiritual practices, owning a treatment center and doing the things that I was doing when I was out using, yeah. it's not a good picture, right? Totally. Like yeah. when they even says uh, an alcoholic in his cups is not a lovely picture. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and basically for me, what that means is me without God, not a good thing. Me in my drinking, yeah. not a pretty picture. That's a, that's a, a disaster oh, waiting yeah. to happen. That's me trying to do everything and control everything. <laughs> and like, yeah, that's not going to work very Rhea, well. You know, yeah. Shane, you've been there. You. <laughs> it's crazy. And it's so, it, 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 I'm so glad I'm not there anymore. Thank like I sit back some goodness. days and I just go, um, you know, just the little things too, like waking up and just waking up being like, Hey, I'm awake today. Like, yeah. My feet work. Yeah. Oh, like you said, with your <laughs> yeah. kids and your wife. Oh, my kids too. Yeah. That's, I know. Isn't and, and that beautiful? Wife, it, that really is. Like they're, they're the best. And like just like seeing that, um, you know. I and trust me, like I have my days. Like I lose my shit sometimes. <laughs> like and, and I actually said on the way up here. Uh, I was kind of doing a little poor me thing and I just went, I don't know how the hell I stay sober sometimes. <laughs> I was like, you know, cause the kids can be a lot and okay. thank, you know, thank God for my wife. Like she hustles and she handles business and, um, I think we make a pretty good team, but there's days. Yeah. When it's just months on my head wants to explode. Right. You know? But at the end of the day, I would never, ever want to go back to that. I would never, never. ever. Um, I'm so proud that like my kids never see me drinking. Like they yeah. know dad doesn't drink. You know Beautiful. what I mean? Like yeah, they. That's oh, a dad gift. doesn't drink. Yeah. So I mean, it's pretty cool. So I, I appreciate you coming on today. It was really great to uh, get to know you a little bit yeah. and chat. And um, I don't know if you have contact info or social media you want to give out. You're more than welcome to do so. Um, if not, it's cool. It's up to you. Yeah. I mean, hey, I you know I don't. I'm on social media. Like I I did start like start on my. 
I don't know. It was kind of silly. Like I was blogging when I was moving That's out cool. here. So yeah. it's Elisa Saunders on Instagram. But nice. and I had a few followers, and cool. I have a LinkedIn page, Elisa Elisa Saunders. So who knows? You know, like I am in the hallway. I I'm yeah. interviewing with some places, and I've been in the business for six years. I worked Good at Acadia, then I worked at Foundation. So I feel like God's going to bring the right place for me and the yep. right fit. I don't know if I'm staying in California. I don't know if I'm going back to Florida. But I know that God's got my back and it will be revealed. That's awesome. Good for you. Like, yeah. I'm proud of you. Like, you know, we just met up, but I can feel the energy. It's really good. And like, I know God's got something good for you. Yeah. Just keep like doing the next right thing with yeah. no expectations. And then all of a sudden you go, holy shit. How did I get here? I got, <laughs> wow, that's awesome. And I can see it. So thank, thank you so Shane. much. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. Well, thanks for tuning in today, folks. You can go to thatsoberguy.com uh, if you want uh, any resources. Uh, also, connect with us on Instagram, at realthatsoberguy, at Shane Raymer on Twitter. Peace, love, respect, and keep your blood clean. So keep my head on straight. I've been trying to keep my head on straight. You still say that I don't know anything about you. Oh, I don't know anything about you. But I know what you do in the back room